We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Rotoviz Best Best Ball Podcast Series on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. The co-host for the series is Zachary Kruger. You can follow him on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. We are talking all things best ball in this series. We've talked zero RB. We've talked different variations of it. We've talked elite tight end and much, much more as we've gone through them. Talking about the different uh, intricacies that will help you with best ball success in the upcoming season on today's show you are in for a treat on the last episode you did hear the previews we got ready to start things off in the draft between zach and sean and they were talking through a lot of the information that they are hoping to implement in the upcoming draft you're about to hear as they draft in the ffpc best ball contest 125 dollar entry a hundred thousand dollars top prize so let's see how the guys get on as they go into the draft on the last show you all have heard their first round pick was darren waller now we're into the second round and you'll hear them all the way through to the midpoint of the draft we will have two more shows coming up that sean is joining zachary on we will have the second half of the draft and also a q a session that zach held with some listener questions as well for sean so those are coming up in the next couple of days stay tuned to your podcast feed and i'll let sean take it away yeah, so we, we've had a couple of players we were looking at potentially go with Gibson and Hopkins. They go to the beginning of the second round instead of toward the end of the second round. I like those picks. I think that's where those guys should be going. I think those are smart picks. We no longer have the option of them now. We had a number of players, really three players we were debating at this spot. I think one of those guys will make it here, but we do want to be ready to select a player who really falls if that's the way it goes some of the people we definitely don't want are still on the board here so if all of those players are passed on over these next three picks we may have a more interesting selection than we were anticipating and i'm, I'm showing the draft board here because sean is kind of readying up the queue a little bit based on our conversation from earlier so as as things unfold we may have to considering pivot consider pivoting here and there on a few picks decisions are certainly going to be made a time or two here as we go through this draft but I, I think that the ADPs that we're seeing are right. I think sometimes when you look at these ADPs and you see where players are falling, that maybe they are not as accurate as what they should be. And then you get into drafts like this, a lot of strong drafters, and you see things unfold in a way that you think is probably a little bit better 
and probably a little bit more optimal um, for the for the people who are drafting them maybe a little bit earlier than their, than their ADP suggests. Are we looking okay on the queue right now, though, Sean? Or is it is it too or is it too early to panic just just yet? Or how are we doing? No, we're we're still looking good. Ridley has gone here, uh, but we have one player remaining. It'll be interesting to see if Mike takes our guy. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction that he does go. Yeah, well, Mike did actually message me and said, tell Sean I said hi. So what better way for me to say Mike says hello and then watch him snipe us on our pick here. Uh, he took Devontae Adams. I don't think that that was what we were looking, so we're okay there. I'm going to pull up the queue so everyone else can see it real quick, Sean, then we can make our pick. What are we looking at here? All right, so we have A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. Brown, I think the player you were arguing for earlier today, I'm a little bit concerned about his situation now with Julio Jones. Is he going to be able to command the necessary targets in an offense that may not be particularly pass heavy. But of the three guys we were lo really looking at, Hopkins, Brown, and Ridley, A.J. Brown could potentially be the big monster who wins it for us. I think he's a pretty easy pick for us here. Yeah, yeah, I like Brown. Um, I, I certainly do. Maybe I'll maybe what I'll do is I'll pull up our queue once uh, once we're on the backside of a draft and we don't see it anymore. But Metcalf is a player that we didn't really get a chance to talk a lot about. But A.J. Brown is someone who I do – like as far as just the talent that he is on the field. I think that Julio Jones being in Tennessee will open things up for him a little bit, um, uh, you know, in that offense. Obviously, the concern with pass volume is going to be there when, when you're talking about a team like Tennessee, who has not historically been known to pass the ball quite as much as we would like to see with guys like A.J. Brown. But I think with Julio Jones, there could be an uptick in passing offense. And I think that there's a chance that obviously – uh, you know, a little bit more one-on-one -on -one coverage, maybe even occasionally uh, Brown will, will not draw the number one target depending on, or the number one cornerback, depending on what Julio Jones is doing. I think, I think AJ Brown could be a highly efficient player uh, once again this year, who we will be more than happy to have on this team. Um, we are getting ready to go into the third round here at the 304. I know we've talked about a couple of different things here. It seems like the only one that really kind of blew up on us here. And it's not that big of a deal. We still got a guy who we like, but was a Calvin Ridley pick. I'm feeling pretty good about coming back around here at the 304. Sean, where are you at on that? I'm not going to show anything until we are officially on the clock um, afterwards, just to make sure that we're, we're kind of keeping our cards close to the chest. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see Harris, Mixon, Chubb, all of those guys go well below ADP. If they had fallen to us, at the 403 in a situation where i'm mean, sorry at the 304 in a situation where we did not yet have a running back that would have created an interesting dynamic in terms of where do we get that guy now aaron jones goes off the board he's really the last of those top players zachary earlier today you and i did discuss swift and dobbins here uh, what should listeners know in terms of that conversation and, and where we came down on those guys so we talked about a couple things when we were laying out our rankings beforehand. Sean was a little bit higher on um, Dobbins. I was a little bit higher on Swift. My concern in particular when it comes to Dobbins is just that historically the Ravens under Lamar Jackson have not been a high volume passing team in terms of getting targets to the running back. I believe it's about four targets per game uh, over the last two years. And surprisingly, the running back with the most targets per game uh, over the last two years has been uh, Ty Montgomery. I believe that was actually 2018, it was like 2.8 targets. So simply put, the Ravens star running backs should not tend to receive a lot of targets. Um, let me go ahead and switch to this pick here real quick. I'm going to show screen, Sean. All right, so who are we eyeing up here? Well, after we got into the situation where we couldn't agree, and I think for good reasons, on Dobbins and Swift, decided not 
to take this running back early in the dead zone. We like both of those guys. If they work out, I don't think that we would be surprised. But we do have a wide receiver we think is going to be an absolute monster. And it fits some of the things that we want to do in terms of winning in the playoff portion. And that is CD Lamb here. With some of the top wide receivers going earlier in this draft than they normally do, I think that Lamb, even though it's a, a mild reach by ADP, works out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Lamb in this spot. He's a player who I want to get on my teams a lot and a guy who I often lose on because I think I sometimes play that ADP game a little bit um, too. I treat the ADP sometimes as being a little bit too reliant and then I get afraid to reach on a guy perhaps a couple rounds early or a couple picks early like we're doing here. But in this case, trying to trying to really focus on getting the players that we want. I'm really a big fan of getting Lamb here. Let me go back to the draft board real quick so we can ready up our queue. Um, I'll continue talking on Dobbins. We're going to have a few few minutes here between picks, and then we can get back to maybe discussing Lamb a little bit. But my concern with Dobbins and his ADP, which is around late second, early third, was more so just the lack of, of passing volume that he may see in this year. I know that there's been some talk about the Ravens looking to increase their pass reps to the running back. I think sometimes that's more coach talk than it is something that actually happens. Things are different when the game unfolds. I think Lamar Jackson tends to instinctually be a runner of the football when plays break down, uh, which we know that there's some time, that some running backs, that's how they kind of make part of their receiving work work for them is they, they are able to catch the ball when plays break down, they're near the quarterback and they get the ball in their hands and they move up field. So I don't really do Dobbins in that light. And then on top of that, we have also seen for several seasons now a split of really not a a two running back committee. I know obviously Lamar Jackson is not a running back, but he gets enough rushing volume that you might as well consider him one with the way he eats into the other running backs. And I, I do have concerns about the volume as well. Um, Sean's concern was with Swift. I'll, I'll let Sean talk a little bit more about that, but generally speaking, it, it's the argument, you know, of, of just kind of the way the, the coaching system in, in place now has kind of been talking about him and running back Jamal Williams over these last couple of months now that free agency and the draft has settled. But Sean, where were you at on, on Swift? You can give a little bit more of a in-depth take on them on him. Well, Swift looked absolutely fantastic in the second half of last season. We know he has that receiving upside. We know how that he has that explosive ability where he can break off the big plays. Those are really the two things that we want in a running back. And so to get that kind of player here in the first half of the third round, uh, there are a lot of things to be excited about. I think that the biggest concern, however, is that the Lions have really brought in some other running backs who have some talent as well. And not only have they brought them in, but they've continued to give at least a lot of lip service to the idea that those guys are going to play a lot. One of the things that we're looking for anytime that we spend any kind of high value pick on a running back is we just want it to be a no brainer, right? We want the upside to really be through the roof. Is the upside for a team that has Jared Goff at quarterback that really is completely rebuilding on the offensive side that's not going to score a lot of overall points, is the upside there to use an, a third-round pick on him? I don't necessarily think that it is. I think that Dobbins, even though he has a lower ceiling and doesn't have some of the things that we look for in a running back, I think that he maybe has the opportunity for more blow-up games. So that's one of the things, especially in a best ball and especially in a best ball tournament, I might be more intrigued by at the same time i think that our pick of a wide receiver instead specifically cd lamb is still a no-brainer in this format in this situation yeah yeah that that's exactly right and that's kind of what we settled on i know when we were talking out um dobbins and lamb in particular i had posed a question to you um kind of as like a tiebreaker of 
Um, looking at, again, we talked about this earlier, the Week 17 schedule and perhaps how we could see those play out. And then not only that, but also the offenses and uh, the teams that they play on and and the defense and, and the lack thereof in this case, perhaps in Dallas, where they could be looking to score a lot of points just to maintain pace. I think for me, it kind of came down to, um, again, we're, we're, we're treating this a little bit as if we're, we're, we're going to be in the championship game. So we're kind of assuming far in advance, but in a week 17 matchup, Dobbins gets the Rams. I think that that could be an interesting game, but maybe not necessarily one where I want Dobbins in. In week 17, the Cowboys get the Cardinals. And I think that uh, if I'm if I'm looking really deep into this crystal ball, it could be an absolute um, high scoring affair. It may even be the highest scoring game on that week. So I, that's why I felt most comfortable taking Lamb over over uh, over Dobbins. It was it kind of came down to not just the the team by team scenarios, but then also a case of simply the offense that Lamb is playing on and the game that they're playing on in Week 17. How are we looking heading into Round Four here, Sean? What are we what are we thinking here? I'm not. So what I'm going to do, just full disclosure, so we're on the same page. I don't want to pop up the uh, the 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 queue before pick. So I'll pop them up after we make every odd round pick, if that's cool, and then we can kind of show people a little bit about what what happened, what's going on here, without giving too much of our hand away. Yeah. So we see the draft developing. I think the way that we would have expected, the same basic names coming off of the board here. We're seeing the running backs fall but not necessarily into a range where they're going to be fantastic values. We see Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts all coming off the board. The owners in this draft know that you have to have those elite tight ends or those potentially elite tight ends. Hawkinson, a guy who definitely is in the mix to lead the position in targets this season. Mahomes falls a little bit, but again, not to the point where you would call him a fantastic event. I do like the fact that Todd is able to put him here uh, with Hill. He's got one of these builds that is just a lot of fun, right? So that one, one that we'll continue to track. Cooper comes off the board now. So what are you thinking in terms of our guys? We had three or four players we talked about here. They're still on the board. They are people who we weren't necessarily going to have to reach for, but might become a little bit tricky if some of the fun guys continue to go off a little bit early, how are you feeling with three or four picks until our slot? Right now I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm actually going into the draft room here on another screen so I can also see who you, who we have queued up here without showing it to everyone else here. But based on our conversation, all right, so you have exactly who I thought you would have at the top of the queue here. And I would say that if that's what we want to do, I'm fine with that player. I don't want to talk about him too much just yet, but this, this is kind of aligning perfectly with what we had previously discussed. And I think that if um, either of these players honestly hangs around, um, it, it, it's going to be aligning with kind of how we envision and hope that this was going to be unfolding. We'll certainly cover these picks as as things happen a little bit. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm feeling good, and and we'll see we'll see what happens here with this pick. We'll see who Beers takes, and then we'll be able to kind of hopefully unveil who we are targeting this round. But I'm I'm feeling fine with it, and then I think that. Once we get into what would be, what, the fifth round now, I think that's when we'll kind of start to pull things together a little bit more and, and we'll see more of our vision start to unfold with this a little bit. So we are coming up on the 409. Mike Beers is on the clock. We're waiting to see who he takes. And then we will be up to pick. We are good to go here. Sean, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and talk about real quick who, who we're getting ready to target here and why, because I did participate in a mock draft earlier a few weeks ago. I will, I'll, I'll cover that in a second, but I, I'm going to give the floor to you real quick as we make this pick. Well, it's interesting because a couple of the sort of contingency picks that we had, DJ Moore and Chris Godwin, both of those guys go off the board. And so 
Mike had taken our guy here, we would have had to look at a big reach, but we actually did want to get some exposure to a top running back. Travis Etienne is in the dead zone, but keep in mind that the dead zone is more about the profile of running backs who are just wildly overvalued. We don't think that Etienne really fits that mold. He's got the upside we want. This really allows everything else we're going to do tonight to work. Yeah, yeah. Travis Etienne is, um, you know, he's a first round draft pick. He's on the Jaguars. There could be a lot of interesting things that begin to happen with that team um, as, as things start to shape up over the course of the offseason. Obviously, James Robinson is there. He's probably not going to be quite seeing the uh, the snap shares that he saw in 2020, which just made him a amazing league winner and a fun player to track. But Travis Etienne can eat into both the, the passing game and the running game. I think if, if, if Sean's thoughts align with mine here, the Jaguars are probably a team that is going to be looking at a lot of negative game scripts over the course of the 2021 season. Obviously, they just had the first overall draft pick. I think Etienne is a guy who can contribute to fantasy rosters in a lot of way, not just on the ground. I think that he can be a, a tremendous pass catcher for the Jaguars. They were talking about him working at the wide receiver slot. Again, that's probably more camp talk than it is anything that we should get too excited about. But we still obviously envision a world where Travis Etienne would be catching passes. I was doing a mock draft a few weeks ago um, for NBC Sports with a few people. And at one point in time, we hit the draft and things were unfolding. I wish I remember which round it was. I, I can't recall off the top of my head. But wherever it was, I had actually gone into the Rotoviz rankings to kind of help me take this pick based off redraft. And I saw where Rotoviz has ETN ranked compared to consensus. And I was just like, all right, like if, if we're going to believe in ETN this highly and, and the Rotoviz rankings are obviously a, a – uh, a, a great source uh, for those looking to draft best ball or redraft or dynasty anything. Rotovis has it all. Etn, I believe, was he ranked as a wide, as a running back ten? I think in the in the redraft rankings. Does that sound correct? It may. I haven't looked at what the composite is in the last couple of days, but I know I partly, obviously, my ranking contributes to that. All of those things that you said, I think, are one hundred percent true. It'll be interesting to see if the Jaguars can have the type of dynamic offense, maybe a Saints um, minus type of team, but one that creates enough overall value for a couple of running backs to score there. ETN going to be used very similarly to Alvin Kamara. And if you can get that kind of profile at the end of the fourth round, instead of having to pay where we were looking, potentially taking him at fourth overall, then maybe we come out a little bit ahead there. The question, obviously, is that Alvin Kamara is very well proven as being that star level player who can execute all of those things at the NFL level. ETN, despite our confidence in him, still has to show that he can do that. But we do like the profile. I think the upside there, especially in the second half of the season. So one of the things that we know is that based on this kind of construction, your chances of making it to this range that allows you to be in the playoffs is very high. And so then if we do get that performance from a rookie running back, in the playoffs, then maybe that gives us a little bit of extra value there. Now we come back around, and this was really the place where we couldn't find a position player or, a, say, a running back wide receiver that we really liked. And as a result, we're going to pivot to QB here. I'll let you make this pick. There are two guys we talked about. Our roster build sort of boils down to these two players. Do you want Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott for our first quarterback? So my first quarterback, I'm kind of leaning Prescott, mainly because I, I like that we already have Lamb in place. Uh, unless we want to maybe talk about the uh, the you know the fact that there are going to be other Cardinals players we could potentially get Murray with later on, but I feel really good about Dak. I feel really good about 
Um, CD Lamb, I think that we you know we obviously made a little bit of a reach on Lamb to get him. I, I think that trying to reward ourselves with pairing him with Dak in an offense that may be looking to score anywhere from 25 to 30 points weekly, just to have a chance at winning, is is something that can give us a lot of fantasy upside. So I'm a big fan of Dak Prescott here. He, like Lamb, is is a, yet another player who I just have really wanted to get a lot of in drafts, and they don't always fall to me because of, of how I'm playing the ADP a little bit. I kind of sit around hoping that they come to me. In this case, I think we're 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 believing in what we what we talked about. We have a plan in place and we're just going out and getting our guys. So I'm all about getting Dak Prescott here. Um, Sean, you made the pick. How do you feel about Dak Prescott over Kyler Murray? Uh, not just on this build, but even just for the 2021 season. I have these guys rated very similarly. I have a, a slight edge for Murray here. I think probably a little bit less has to go right for Murray to hit that really high level. We look at how he played last year. And before the shoulder injury, he still wasn't playing that well. And yet the scoring was just off the charts. It was it was fantastic. Now, if he takes a little bit of a step forward, and we wouldn't expect someone to take a Josh Allen type of step forward, right? But if he takes a little bit of a step forward and combine that with hopefully more A.J. Green, some of the wide receiving value that he's going to have, more guys to really go there and help DeAndre Hopkins out, then I think the upside is is just extreme and so i like murray there but within what we're going to do here and it may even be some things that happen a little bit later i think prescott is a very fun pick it gives us a chance to do some of the things we want to do to win this tournament and so uh, one of the things that i'd like to do is if i have two players very close together and i do a lot of drafts with other people i think co-owning is a lot of fun having these discussions being able to do some of the shows that works out and so I'm able to sort of diversify my rosters by taking the players that my co-owners like when we're really close like this to keep from having too much Murray, for example. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And uh, our preparation was was a lot of fun and a little bit different, I think, than anyone else I prepped with. I have not done anything in terms of a spreadsheet. Sean's sending me a spreadsheet. We're out here color coding things, really trying to find a ways to visually uh, explain to ourselves and to one another, I guess, just how we plan on approaching this draft, the way we color coded things and broke it down was a lot of fun. Co-managing teams and co-owning teams is a lot of fun to do. And the way we're prepared just kind of gives us a sense on these different players, how we view them. And we can see that we're actually fairly close on a lot of guys. And then when we see we're not cl- as close on some guys, we get an opportunity to kind of explain ourselves out and see what we're thinking and, and see maybe where we want to settle on for a, a pick um, operating a little bit under the assumption that the draft will unfold a certain way where certain players may be available to us. So, you know, again, if you guys haven't done any kind of co-owning or anything like that with each other, certainly it's a fun way to kind of get into a tournament and do some things or just any team for that matter. Uh, you know, you, it, it's fun to get in touch with people and, and build teams this way. I'm looking at the queue right now. Um, Sean is adding a couple of players here who have not, not completely discussed all of them, but some players who I like. I don't want to give too much away here. But if we take a look at the draft board, which we can certainly talk about as we see things unfold, um, anything standing out to you as we close out the fifth round right now, Sean? It was interesting to see all of those quarterbacks go. You again have a situation where I think these owners are, these managers are not wanting to get caught where they have to use three spots at the QB if they don't have to. Now, you may still want to, depending on how the tail end of the draft falls if that third QB gives you a lot more safety and adds some upside whereas you think that the other positions really are more throwaway picks you might still decide to do that but you want to have the flexibility there the other thing is just having these star QBs again in a tournament format gives you some of that upside that you want to have uh, just a huge week in not only week 17 but these other weeks leading up to it so I'm not surprised by that I think that that makes sense we have uh, T. Higgins, somebody who I actually think the Higgins would have been an excellent choice uh, early in the fifth round, too. I, his ADP just really makes no sense. So he goes off there right after the QBs. I think that that follows completely. And then we're seeing some of these other interesting wide receivers start to come in this range. Uh, Dallas goes off the board at tight end there. An interesting and just sort of a tricky pick, but one that could work out in a big way if those if that passing offense does develop this season, but the young wide receivers are not quite ready to take a step up, he could also end up with a huge number of targets at that tight end position. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think Goddard is kind of the pass catcher in Philly who I'm feeling most good about, um, who I'm feeling best about in terms of that offense. Uh, I actually am reminded back to my first article that I wrote with Rota this, which is ironically – uh, a year ago today, it was a lot of fun to uh, be on this team for the past year. So really looking forward to year two. But it was an article that I wrote where I focused on running quarterbacks and the amount of rushing volume that they bring to a team and how that can sometimes negatively impact their pass catchers. And in that article, I actually found that quite often it's the wide receivers who tend to suffer from the running quarterback, depending on high, how, how high the volume is for them. Um, Lamar Jackson was kind of the highlight piece there, but there's been a lot of rushing quarterbacks over over recent history who have rushed for um, you know a, a high number of attempts per game. If there is a 
pass catcher who tends to benefit a little bit more from these rushing quarterbacks. It's actually the tight end. So I think Goddard is the one in Philly who I'm really feeling more confident about as a pass catcher compared to others, knowing that Jalen Hurts is going to be likely leading that offense, knowing that he could be looking to rush for, you know, several times a game. I'm sure he'll have a couple digit rush attempts games in there where uh, the pass catchers, the outside receivers may be limited a little bit. And then, like you said, it's a young core. Um, it could take a little bit of time for them to develop as they get into the season, get things started. Jalen Rager is not coming off a very solid rookie season, and now they have Devonta Smith looking to get adjusted to the NFL life. So I think Goddard mixed with Jalen Hurts, if, that, if the uh, if the 12th team opted to go that way at some point in time would not be necessarily a bad play. I do like Goddard a lot there. Where are we looking at as we come into the 609 Sean, we have, um, you know, we have we have a couple wide receivers here in AJ Brown, CD Lamb. We do have Travis Etienne, and we already have a single elite tight end up there with Darren Waller at the 104. What are we kind of thinking for this next pick? I see where you're leaning, and and right now I like it. Um, we don't have to show too much of our hand yet, but how do we? I guess the right question would be, what are we looking to do as far as we how we approach this draft in the next couple of rounds? Now that we kind of have our core solidified. Well, with ETN making it to us in round four, we don't have to be as aggressive at the running back position. We really only wanted to have exposure to one guy there. If Williams had fallen, that would have been an interesting discussion because I think that he offers a lot of the same things that ETN does, but at a multi-round discount to that same price. The wide receivers here, a lot of our favorite guys are going off in terms of Ayuk, in terms of Deontay Johnson, uh, Noah Fant, someone we were looking at very closely I think the only concern with Fant there comes down to the fact that the offense may be poor and there's a lot of competition for touches. Unfortunately, the person that we did have all queued up and ready to go there is Logan Thomas. We miss out on him. So who's your backup selection here? We're going to have to reach a little bit at wide receiver. Do you have a preference between Chark and say Juju Smith-Schuster, Jerry Judy for this selection? I know that we talked about this coming up. I don't think we quite talked about in this particular scenario, um, but I know that we kind of settled, I believe, on Jerry Judy as as a player who we like, based on Denver's schedule for that playoff um, for that playoff run in this tournament. And there's not another wide receiver I like on the board. If you're good with Jerry Judy, I think we can go ahead and take him. Uh, he is a wide receiver who had a lot of air yards last season, not necessarily a lot of receiving yards. The quarterback play in Denver did not help him, but they do have Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is going to see a significant amount of playing time if he's not named the full-time starter right off the bat. Um, Jerry Judy is a player who I do like. I know we took him over Cortland Sutton, but I don't necessarily hate that move. I think that Sutton and Judy could operate um, kind of as the team, that team's top two pass catchers, perhaps with Noah Fant and Javante Williams maybe working a little bit, but I, I do like Jerry Judy a lot. I think he has a lot of, a lot of talent and is a, as a player who's going to really take that next, excuse me, that next step forward in year two. Um, Sean, how do you feel about that pick that we made knowing that we missed out on someone else who we were originally targeting? Yeah. I mean, this is hard here because we really wanted <laughs> Logan Thomas for the build that we have. This is the problem with having people like Mike Beers here. I mean, it would have been a surprise really if he had passed on that, selection because it's just a no-brainer at this spot in the draft he has that potential to emerge as this season's darren waller and to not be able to put those guys together and to be looking at a different path now at tight end um it's pretty unfortunate we'll see how the next handful of picks develop here the value at wide receiver is not going to be nearly as good as it would have been if we had been able to get 
one of those last couple of tight ends. One of the things that we talked about a lot in terms of our preparation for this draft is just that the 104 has a lot of, I mean, you can't complain about getting a higher pick than a lower pick. I mean, that would be silly, right? But it does put you in a position where some of the tight ends, you look at the board that you have up here, Kittle, Hawkinson, Pitts, and then Fant and Thomas going before it gets back into that top third, not having or not being in the position to hit on those tight ends. And people may be thinking, okay, well, you have Waller. If you're going to pick Waller in the first round, then you need to go in a different direction. But the fact of the matter is the tight end is so powerful in this particular format that you want to be overweight at that position. We're no longer able to do that in quite the same way, and, and that's a pretty big disappointment. Yeah, losing Thomas was was a tough guy to lose. I know that there's a few other tight ends who we had kind of kicked the tires on who I think could make it back to us here. I guess really the question is going to come down to as we get to this next pick, we do have a couple different ways we were looking at going earlier on before we, I think we kind of talked ourselves out of it, um, you know, in, in prep. But early on in the week, we had talked about a couple of different guys who we liked here, um, possibly looking to stack games down the line. Where are you leaning to go with this pick, Sean? Because seeing who's on the board, I, I, I kind of think between our conversations, you know some of the players who we're eyeing up here. Is there anyone who particularly stands out to you as we look ready, look ready to take our 704? Well, the, the guy that we had talked about, and, and again, this is one of the players where we're not really in the right position to take him and get the full value out of it. But we looked at this trio of Bengals, wide receivers, and like all of them. Boyd, mm-hmm. perhaps the least value of the three, but he's going to score a lot of points. And so you look at what he is doing compared to some of the other players who are available here. Chart came off the board. Juju Smith-Schuster, they both came off the board in the interim between our picks. I was hoping that we would be able to kind of wait on Boyd maybe for just a different team. But the way that this draft has developed, then I think that Boyd does a couple of things that we like as we think in terms of some other things that might transpire later. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you there. I I have no problem with taking Boyd here. I think that he's still a a very solid player. The Bengals wide receiver group as a whole, they all saw over 100 targets. Those top three guys did last season between Boyd, Higgins, and A.J. Green. Now with A.J. Green gone, obviously we know that Jamar Chase is going to take a good portion of those targets. But I think that on an offense that's going to, um, once again, be trailing a lot, looking to kind of play catch up with most of their opponents this season i think that there's still going to be plenty of a role for boyd as long as joe burrow stays healthy and he works out well for them boyd is a player who took a massive hit last year after the joe burrow injury i think kind of i think all all bengals wide receivers did but boyd particularly felt that loss to burrow and i think that with burrow healthy this year i think he's gonna be on the field plenty i think he could see 100 targets still and i think that uh, i think that tyler boyd is a, is a fine pick here where are you at on how, how this draft is shaping off uh, up right now, Sean? Uh, we'll recap it real quick. We're picking out the 104. We have Darren Waller, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Travis Etienne, Dak Prescott, Jerry Judy, and then with the 704, we did go with Tyler Boyd. Um, a lot of things that happened here that we weren't quite expecting, but I, I think we're looking okay so far. How are you feeling, Sean? Do you, do you think that uh, this draft has gone uh, – completely off the rails just a little bit off the rails or are we going to be able to weather the storm through the next couple of picks i think the key player for us was etn in terms of getting back to us in round four so we could go with otherwise a very wide receiver heavy draft now if thomas makes it through then we're all set everything is going exactly as we planned because he didn't not only do we not have him but we've taken a number of players well above adp at this point 
The thing that we have to keep in mind is that we just do want to get our guys. It doesn't make sense to draft someone you have ranked lower just because it's a better ADP value. So if you compare the draft to ADP, we're making some ranges. If you compare the draft to our rankings, then we're actually still getting some very good values on some of those players. It's interesting too, I think, because a lot of these guys are players who are normally going to go with the group that's a little bit later. Now, the fact that Darren Waller also is someone who would go in that later section maybe makes it so we're actually drafting like a, a 109, 110 team from the fourth slot. But as we continue to move through the draft here and, and with someone like an A.J. Brown, like an ETN, we have some differences from that. So I think these next couple of rounds are going to really determine the direction that we need to go in the second half of the draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, like you said, we, we've kind of gotten some players right now who – as far as our rankings go, I think we're, we're getting a lot of the players who we liked in our rankings, even if we're kind of having to reach on a few of them. But I, I think kind of at the end of the day, when it comes down to doing some of these picks, you don't want to, you know, we talked earlier, we don't want to reach too too far on some of these picks we're getting. But I think that part of winning these drafts sometimes, too, is drafting with a little bit of conviction in the guys that you like. And if you see that they're somewhere on the board, you know that they might not make it back to you. You decide that based on your rankings, based on how you're feeling about a player, you kind of go with your gut and see what happens. I don't think that reaching a little bit early on a player who you have ranked high is necessarily a bad pick. I think that it allows you a chance to kind of construct things the way you want to. That's hopefully, hopefully within a reasonable round of the ADP and seeing what happens um, with those picks. We did just have Joe Burrow go here at the uh, 7-10. That one is a guy who I know we talked about earlier, Sean. Not obviously the only quarterback who we needed to get, but how do you feel about Burrow going there at the 710? That does feel a little bit earlier than his ADP, which I thought was somewhere in like the 90s. So not not too far, but maybe a little bit of a reach there on Burrow. Um, where, where are we at as far as those quarterbacks at this point in time? Yeah, so he's going to the, the end of round eight. But again, I think this is where his ADP should be. I like him above guys like Stafford, Brady, Aaron Rodgers. And so I think that's a, a very good selection. Again, we're seeing a lot of the players with ADPs that don't make sense getting drafted closer to where they belong in this particular draft. Not a surprise based on who we have in this particular league. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, that, I think that we have a very sharp room here that's doing a lot of different things. There's a lot of players who are... You know, like you said, they're not going quite at their ADPs. Joe Burrow being one of them, who we would have liked to have for that stack, but I think that we'll we'll find other ways to go around it here. Um, we currently only have one running back. That's Travis Etienne. We got our four wide receivers kind of settled. We'll look for a few more wide receivers later. Um, when we're talking about roster construction overall, Sean, which I think is something for those maybe not as familiar with the best ball format as others, this is an 18-round draft, and – one thing that definitely matters when constructing these teams is how many at each position that you have. Maybe we'll get into this a little bit more once we get to our eight or nine pick, but I'd be curious to hear how um, we should kind of go about viewing, building a team based on the number of quarterbacks you should have, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, um, depending on how we're building our team. Um, you know, we're going with the early tight end here. We probably don't need to spend as much early draft capital to get a second tight end, things like that. Um, but a little bit of a little bit of roster construction, I think, is is kind of worth talking about here in this format in particular, where I think it will matter so much more in a room that's just sharp playing in a tournament like this. But before we get to that, where are we wanting to go here with this next pick? There's a lot of guys now who have kind of reached our later round ranges who we're liking. We're about halfway through this draft right now. Is there anyone that's standing out to you in particular 
or any position that's standing out to you in particular, given the current construction, current construction of our team? Well, we know that one of the reasons we felt very comfortable taking this wide receiver heavy approach is that we had a lot of running backs that we like in the double digit rounds. And so continuing to load up at wide receiver, potentially taking a tight end, uh, having two good quarterbacks, if it works out that way, you talked a lot about the roster construction. And one thing that we do see is that if you can limit your picks from QB and tight end to five, then you have a little bit more room to build up your depth at the wide receiver at the running back position. So that's something where if you take the players earlier, then it helps you save the roster spots, but then obviously you miss out on the guys you might've otherwise drafted. So I think that that's where we're getting to in this particular league is trying to make some of those distinctions. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, some of the wide receivers we wanted like a LaVisca Chenault goes a few spots ahead of where we would have been able to get him. I think that he would have been another interesting pick in round seven, but of course, based on his ADP, we tried to take the risk, see if he would get a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, this is, you know, just a, a draft where ADP has kind of been thrown out the window a little bit here. Things are getting uh, pretty, pretty unique in terms of the builds. Uh, you know, we just lost Chenault. We're getting ready to pick after Mike Beers again, right here. We'll see who he takes. Last time uh, this, we were in the situation, he got Logan Thomas on us. We'll see who Mike Beers takes here. And then we'll get ready to make our next pick at the 8 or 9 as we prepare for the back half of this draft. But I am with you, Sean, in, in terms of just building best ball teams in general. I kind of tend to keep um, the teams with the, um, you know, like these 18, 20 round picks, usually around two to three tight ends um, and two to three and two to three quarterbacks with our builds. Right now, we are on the clock. Um, the player who we have at the top of our queue is still available. And we talked about him earlier. I'm fine with taking him here. Sean, do you want to tell everyone who we're looking at and maybe maybe if uh, if that's who we're in fact going to go with? Yeah, so we have Gasicki and then a handful of running backs in this spot. The downside, of course, you know, you get knocked out in week 14 if you make it to that point. The upside is you have this ultra-athletic tight end ready to break out. Could be that guy who a year from now is drafted much, much earlier. Also a situation with losing out on Logan Thomas, we probably have to press to make sure that we get that second tight end with some upside. So I think it makes sense to go in that direction with this pick. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm fine with Mike Gusecki here. Um, I, I think that one of the things that has really just been kind of a lot of fun for me as I get myself more familiar with the FFPC format in particular is being mindful of the tight end premium scoring that we get in this league. I think that it's kind of fun to know that some of the elite tight ends, some of those big playmakers who we see make play on Sundays are, are a little bit more distinguished in FFPC leagues, can give you a little bit more upside for the for the targets that they're seeing, for the receptions that they're bringing in compared to your standard PPR league. Mike Kosecki, like, like Sean said, super athletic player, a guy who I think is going to see a lot of targets from Tua this year. So I think that Kaseki in this round is a is a perfect pick. I think that he's a fine tight end too. And he's kind of being taken at a spot here where we don't necessarily need him to be a top tight end for us every week, but we'll probably benefit from him um, having big weeks when they do happen, realizing that Darren Waller is most likely going to be our tight end one, assuming that he's healthy and seeing his normal dose of volume. But we are about to get into round nine here. Um some things have not quite gone as planned, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going wrong. We're just kind of zigging where other people are zagging. We're, we're pivoting and making moves along the way. Um, with this with this pick here, as we get ready to go into the 904, 
Sean, like you said, we have some running backs queued up here. We currently only have one running back. Um, where are you looking at in terms of how this build's shaping up right now? If we touched on roster construction, when would you consider maybe going with something like more running backs compared to wide receivers or more wide receivers compared to more running backs based on our builds? We'll make this pick first, and then we can cover that if you want to. But Yeah, this is this is the area where, where we start to make some of those decisions. And like we said, we like a lot of the guys in the double-digit round. So if we were to continue passing, I think that would be absolutely fine. At the same time, one of the reasons, again, that we did it this way is that wide receiver really deadens at this point. So if you don't have your wide receivers yet, you're not going to get them. And we can see that a lot of teams have taken that approach in this particular league. A lot of teams only have two running backs to this point. So we're not going to be the only team trying to add on running backs at this spot. We had talked about a trio of running backs here. Which one would you like to go with now that all three of them are available for us? Yeah, so now all three of them are available to us. Uh, are they close enough in ADP where we could probably talk about them? I guess I guess they probably are. But the one who we have at the top of the queue, I, I won't give everyone away, but the one we have at the top of the queue who I do like is Tony Pollard. Um, the, I, I think my only concern real quick, and I'll just throw it out here and I'll let you say something before we get him. My only concern with Pollard might be that he doesn't quite see the volume that we want to have out of a running back at this range, in which case I'd be fine with going with Zach Moss if we think he may be a little bit better of a pick here. Before we pick Sean, are you are you more convicted on Pollard or Moss here? Well, Connor was the person that you wanted pre-draft. Are you off of him for this selection? I think when I wanted him, I was kind of more of the mindset that we would be having uh, Hopkins and Kyler Murray possibly with that, or at least Hopkins. Um, but right now, I think that based on the way that things are falling, I think that having that third um, Dallas player is, is good enough if we believe in Pollard's opportunities. Um, with Dallas and I think that was kind of what my concern was with him but are you are you fine with Pollard there now that we have him I guess we kind of have to be yeah no no Pollard is a big time pick he was a key part of the team that Curtis and I had that finished 12th in last year's FFPC main event and, and talking about upside we saw that I think in week 15 last year we put up the huge game uh, pulled our team that had uh, Diggs and Kamara and some of those players was a little bit of a separator from the rest of the pack being able to throw that big game in for him. Now, if Elliott stays healthy, then you are going to still get some standalone value, not the value you necessarily are looking for, but to add a guy in here who's going to have some receiving value is going to be in this explosive offense. And we're, again, we're never rooting for anyone to get hurt, but if something should happen to Elliott, if he goes out and he's out completely, or if he even just have a little bit more of that decline that we saw last season. So the question for Elliot is how much of the decline, and there was a pretty significant decline, how much of it was injuries, how much of it was the quarterback play, and how much of it is just him getting closer to that Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell type of level. If we see that from him, we could see Pollard take a lot of touches away in 2021. Yeah, I certainly think that that's the case. I guess my concern with Pollard has always come down to just those touches because we've seen him now on the Dallas Cowboys offense. But this will be, I believe, it's year three. Year first two years, he has really not quite gotten the volume I think that we want. I feel like we've been drafting Tony Pollard kind of in the middle of drafts for the last couple of years, hoping that maybe he'd see the volume that we think a talented player like him should get. Um, but in this particular case, I I know we talked about James Conner earlier. I think the Conner idea I, I I was more into with the with the thought that maybe we would have had either Kyler or Hopkins to get pieces of that Arizona offense. But 
I, having the opportunity to have Pollard with Dak and uh, CeeDee Lamb, I think is kind of a, a, a nice little trio of players to have. We certainly don't want to become too overexposed to Dallas. That's not going to help us out if there's ever some down weeks. But I think that Pollard is the kind of guy who will benefit from catching passes from Dak Prescott and, and hopefully making some plays through the air along with on the ground. And uh, like you said, if, if, if at any point in time Zeke either goes down or is just not quite living up to the elite running back status that he's carried for the last several years, then I think that Pollard becomes more involved and he just becomes more of a value with that ninth round pick. Right now, we are about to go into the end of the ninth round. We are currently looking um, at a roster that has Darren Waller, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Travis Etienne, Dak Prescott, Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, Mike Gusecki, and then Tony Pollard made with our most recent pick. Sean, I think that one thing that I, I, is kind of interesting to watch happen here right now is I, I think to some degree earlier on, we had kind of talked about and possibly expected that we might have had our second quarterback by now, but quarterbacks have kind of gone early. Where are you at on the quarterback position right now, given, given where we're at through the first nine rounds as we enter into round 10? Well, because we have Prescott, we have a ton of flexibility here. We can go with the two, um, say, borderline elite quarterbacks. We can go with Dak and only one other guy and get that player late. We can go with Dak and two late quarterbacks. And so because of that, I, I think that we don't have to force anything. Now, we have a couple guys that we like later to have lost out on this stretch that included Hurts, Stafford, Rodgers, Brady right before we picked in round nine and then Tannehill in the middle of round nine here. We're going to have some interesting options coming back through. We had talked about getting Burrow, but of course he didn't make it anywhere close to back to our pick in round eight, and that's okay. We have a lot of different options there. I think with Gesicki being the person we really had targeted that we probably would have gone that direction anyway, we knew we wanted to get one of the trio of Pollard, Moss, or Connor there in round nine. So this sets up very nicely for us as we come back in round 10. What are your thoughts on the different possibilities, both construction-wise and player-wise, as we look at round 10 here? I think right now with looking at this round, obviously we only have two running backs, but I, I think with the way we're viewing ETN, we kind of feel confident that in his value and where we got him, that I think we're, based on the way we're kind of drafting, I think we're, we're kind of treating him as if he's almost a player who we think is going to outplay his ADP and be... Um, much better than the spot where we took him at. And that's kind of resulted in us still feeling confident and going with um, a number of wide receivers and then even a second tight end before getting our running back too. When it comes to the overall construction of this of this particular roster, Dak Prescott, like you said, he has us feeling really good because of the expectation that he's going to just consistently week in and week out be that quarterback one that we're looking for. I think now when it comes to the construction and being mindful of things, it's where we need to start looking running back just maybe a little bit more, maybe finding a guy who we think could have some involvement in the in, in his team's offense on hopefully a weekly basis. Um, one thing that I've kind of tried to focus on this year um, compared to some years before is where and once upon a time, I'd be more prone to kind of trying to hold those traditional handcuff players who I just thought were like, the elite players who you could stash and stash and stash. And then, you know, if something ever happened, if an injury or whatever happened, which we obviously don't cheer for, but they do happen, then that handcuff all of a sudden becomes a, a top tier player on the offense. Having gotten into best ball a little bit more, now when I'm looking to target running backs, I'm trying to target guys so I think I can convince myself are going to be maybe more involved with the offense than the traditional handcuff. Um, a traditional handcuff who um, I would consider that being like right now as a player who we're pretty low on. So I don't think that at 
it's any problem you saying so, but it's Alexander Madison, who I just don't see having a role um, independent of Dalvin Cook when he is healthy. So now with the roster construction, our four wide receivers set, two very good tight ends and an elite quarterback. Running back is where I'm kind of leaning more towards here, um, but still wanting to also perhaps consider maybe a third tight end before tight end becomes just a little bit too much of a wasteland for us. As we ready up the queue here, we're going to be on the clock in just a second. Where are you leaning with this pick, Sean, as we get ready to to make a selection? Um, again, with, with roster construction in mind and how we've kind of gone so far. Yeah, definitely. This is a good spot to look running back. One of the players we were hoping would come back through was A.J. Dillon. He went off the board uh, really toward the end of the previous round. And so now we're looking at some guys like a Henderson and he's the person that we had loaded up to go at this spot uh, in our pre-draft meetings. Is that the direction you'd like to go here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. I think we're ready to go with Daryl Henderson here. I think that he kind of fits what I just described earlier as a running back who will hopefully still have some involvement in the offense, even with um, obviously Cam Makers being the, the RB one there. One interesting Note on Daryl Henderson uh, last season was, if I remember correctly, I believe he actually led the Rams running backs in receptions last season. Cam Akers was hurt for part of this season, but there was times in the year where Daryl Henderson still saw receiving work over Akers. And I think that, um, as is the case with most running back situations, some kind of form of a running back by committee tends to exist. And I think that Daryl Henderson could have a role as a pass catcher in this offense. And it's an offense that I think should still be very good. It's an offense that features Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers. Again, we touched on him. But then also I think the big one is Matthew Stafford, who is going to um, hopefully be able to do a little bit more um, in terms of moving the ball downfield and hopefully a more efficient manner for the Rams in 2021. And that's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll we'll hold it up there. We'll come back on the next episode, run through those later rounds as we see how the team finishes up. Uh, those are the rounds that Sean is well known for for uh, you know having those real gems that have a lot of success in the season. So you won't want to miss out on that. We'll also have one more coming up where they do a Q and A from some listener questions. Of course, as always, you can get yourself a ten percent discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass. All you have to do is go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information, or you can go to checkout and add the code RV Radio twenty twenty one. That's going to do it for this edition of the series. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host, as I mentioned previously, is Zachary Kruger. You can follow Zach on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. And, of course, Sean Siegel's work up on rotoviz.com. Until the next episode of the series, have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.